You're listening to a Corridor Business Journal podcast. I'm Nate Kading, and this is Real Success. This is the Corridor Business Journal podcast, where we explore the life and careers of the Corridor's most influential business leaders. Suresh Gunasekaran is the CEO of the University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics, an organization at the forefront of health and wellness in unprecedented times as of late. I talked to Suresh about his MBA path to healthcare management and leadership, learning while changing rapidly and sometimes failing, and the most challenging moment he faced as the leader of a large hospital system during this pandemic. Suresh shares his thoughts on why we need a more rational healthcare system, how running errands early in his career as an assistant sparked his interest in hospital administration, and why a hard separation between work and home is a healthy approach to work-life balance. I learned a lot, and I think you will too. Stay tuned. This episode of Real Success with Nate Kading is brought to you by Midwest One Bank. Midwest One Bank is the proud partner for doers and entrepreneurs in the corridor and beyond. As an SBA preferred lender, our team is ready to help you reach your business goals. It's empowered money management. It's Midwest One Bank, member FDIC. Suresh, thanks so much for taking the time uh, to chat today. We're, we're, we're talking together about a year over um, you know, the beginning of, of the COVID-19 pandemic and, you know, you'd be hard pressed to find someone with uh, more important, more what I'm assuming stressful um, role than yours here locally. And, you know, people in healthcare administration across the country have done, you know, an unbelievably remarkable job and just wanted to, you know, to ask you just off the bat here, to, you know, your 20 plus years career in healthcare administration, did it did it prepare you for for what has come down the pipeline the last year? I'm assuming nothing nothing could have, but you know what what was it about the last year? What did you learn about yourself, and what were what were some of the big uh, big learnings as you look back on it? Yeah, well, it's really good to be with you, Nate. And um, I don't know when you think about this year, nothing really prepares you for it. Uh, I think there are pieces and parts of the journey, uh, not just professionally but personally, that just kind of. Um, really sit with me a year later, uh, probably the first thing I'd say is just gratitude. Um, it does take a village and it was just, it wasn't just the people at the university or the people at the hospital. I mean, it's, it took the whole community to get through this. Um, the, the story of this pandemic is it affected everyone mm-hmm. and obviously affected our, uh, healthcare workforce and everyone that I work with, but it affected them, not just as doctors or nurses or housekeepers or administrators, it affected them as citizens who have spouses and kids and fears and hopes. Um, you know, I think we spent a lot of time um, dealing with the fear um, for a whole long bit. We really didn't know what was going on. And I think uh, that's probably the, the longest period of uncertainty, professional uncertainty that I've lived with. Uh, I think that for folks that have lived through the Great Depression or uh, lived yeah. through other periods, it's kind of like, when is it going to end? Right. You know, was, was something that was really hard to get through. And then I think the, the other piece that I would just say is never underestimate the team. I mean, uh, I think time and time again, uh, you know, the sky was going to fall. And I honestly think the sky would have fallen if we weren't an amazing nation. We were an amazing state. And we were an amazing community here in the corridor. Um, we really did rally. And what we did and continue to do is what's making a difference. And so I would say that, you know, never underestimate the team. Yeah. And you have over 15,000 plus employees. I'm sure that number has grown 
uh, underneath you at, at the University of Iowa hospitals and clinics, if you were to kind of pull that audience and, and ask, you know, where if Suresh, the leader of this entire organization, what was what were the best of his leadership qualities? What would you hope that those people would say about you and how you led the organization over the course of the last year? That's a good question. Um, I would hope that our team would say that Suresh is committed to the right things and is committed to being honest. And uh, I think that we tried as much as possible to make every decision throughout the pandemic. And in general, even coming out of the pandemic on how do we do right by our patients? How do, how do we do right by our colleagues? How do we do right by our partners that uh, this should be a safe space in the healthcare industry to just go ahead and do things because it's the right thing to do. Right. And I think the pandemic really put some stark choices against it. And then uh, like any leader, I make a lot of mistakes. And, uh, you know, that happens sometimes when, when, when you don't have perfect data and you don't execute as well as you want. I would hope our team thinks that uh, I'm pretty honest about it, that yeah. uh, I own it. And hopefully by me doing that, that we all can own it. You know, we know at UI Healthcare, there's a lot of things we could do better. And uh, to have a healthy attitude that we're really good today, but we could be better um, is, a, is a cool challenge when you come into work. What did you learn about decision-making both for you personally and for your, your leadership team and your organization? I mean, just watching it from afar, I mean, there's so, so many unknowns with the pandemic and everything that was going on. I mean, talk a bit about what you pulled away from that or how you guys made some really important decisions with all the uncertainty. Yeah, that's a good question too. Um, I think it, it's, it's a bit of both. So, you know, we are, you know, well over 12, 13,000 people. So when, when you do that, um, when you represent such a large team and you make decisions, um, you really want to make sure you get input and you listen, um, because I think it's really hard um, to make decisions when thousands of people don't think you're representing them and you're not listening to them and not really understanding what's happening on the front lines, because there are so many of us and, uh, you know, we're fighting a battle on the Western front and the Eastern front. And so, you know, I think that one of the things I think is really important during the decision-making process is to make sure you're really getting a lot of good input from across the team. But then, you know, what big organizations get, uh, you know, a lot of people complain about is that big organizations take forever to make a decision or to execute a decision. And yeah, I was going to ask you too, I mean, in, in real time as things are coming in, and I mean, these are, especially over the course of last year, but I'm assuming always in, in healthcare, I mean, you, you want to listen and be that kind of leader, but I mean, you got to make some so pretty quick, tough decisions. How do you how do you balance those two? Exactly. And I mean, I think that you, you led me right to it, which is during this last year, um, we had to make quick decisions and um, we did it with imperfect data. And uh, we did follow the science. We did follow the data. Um, but at the end of the day, there was a certain uncertainty margin. You just had to go with it. And uh, uh, at least my leadership style is that uh, I really trust the input from the team that surrounds me. And I feel really confident making decisions as quickly as we needed to. Um, but you really get that from your team. Um, you know, if you're looking at 15, 20 people who are talking to 15, 20 people, and as it goes, uh, we were just really blessed to have some amazing physicians who understand how to take care of COVID patients, amazing physicians that understand things about testing and clinical trials and those things. We had nurses that knew how to deal with surges in patients, and we had housekeepers and support staff that knew what, what, what it takes to get it done 24, seven, 365. So I had a lot of really good support behind me, but at the end of the day, um, 
I really felt like given the strength of the team, go ahead and make the decisions. If you were, you know, picturing yourself 20, 25 years from now, 30 years from now, talking to your grandkids about, you know, how you led a really large hospital system through the, the pandemic of 2020, is there a moment or a particular story or an instance that, you know, that you would, that you would tell them that you thought would kind of encapsulate everything that you've, you've gone through and the, and the hospital system has gone through over the course of the, of the last year plus? There are a lot of moments, but the, the one moment I kind of remember is uh, the summer of last year uh, where um, we had a large discussion where fear was really palpable in the room where we knew that COVID was dangerous. We didn't know exactly how it was transmitted. And the moment that America was facing was there aren't enough masks. There aren't enough N95s. If you recall, everybody wanted an N95, whether you work for a healthcare organization or not, everybody's paying 25 bucks, 50 bucks for an N95. So you have this workforce of doctors, nurses, various clinicians and support staff. And they were, we were having this senior leadership discussion where the leadership was saying, I really don't think we can come into work unless we have all the PPE we need. And I explained to them that that's true. And we talked a lot about everything we were doing to get the PPE. But I did ask them in one moment, if we don't show up for work, who is going to show up? And where is everyone going to have to go? And in that moment of silence, it was followed by one leader after another leader that said, I know there's uncertainty, I know there's fear, but we're all coming in. And it's probably one of the most proud moments I've had working in the healthcare industry because the fear was real, uh, the data was uncertain, but the commitment was clear and everybody came to work. And UIHC opened its arms to um, dealing with all this volume from not only Iowa City and around here, but from across the state. And that kind of set the tone yeah. for what we were going to put out on the field and what we were going to, what we we're going to play with. Yeah. That's amazing. Did you, you know, you're an MBA by trade, know the business. Did you early on in either your academic career, high school was with, was healthcare. Was that in the cards for you or was it other things initially or what, what talk a bit about your path to, to this field? Yeah. I mean, it was completely random. Um, I think that uh, <laughs> growing up, I was blessed to, be surrounded by a lot of people headed in a lot of directions. So I grew up in Nashville. I went to Vanderbilt, uh, had a lot of different friends, a lot of different interests. Um, and what you study uh, as an undergrad, what was your study? Political science. Okay. And so I thought maybe law school, maybe something else, but the tie to healthcare was when I was attending Vanderbilt as an undergrad, um, like a lot of college kids, I needed to get a work study job uh, to, to help fund my uh, education. And so I heard from a friend that don't, don't go do work study because they only pay you minimum wage. But if you go to the temp service on campus, they pay higher. Okay. Sounds good. So I go sign up as a temp. And uh, the first job I get is to be the temp secretary to the CEO of Vanderbilt Hospital because wow. his secretary was on maternity leave. <laughs> Okay. And uh, I got his dry cleaning, I answered his phones, and I did that. And it was honestly my first exposure to healthcare. Um, and uh, long story short, that kind of opened me to a business possibility. And after graduation, I um, attended, I, I went to work for Vanderbilt Children's Hospital. 
just because I thought, why not? Now, let me ask you this. As someone, you know, a, a regular person would do an internship like that for a CEO of a large hospital system and, and run for the hills, right? You look at how complicated your work is, you know, the, the stress, everything that's on the line with what you're doing. Um, what attracted you in particular to, to that, sort of, that sort of leadership role or management role of an organization like a hospital or healthcare system? I think that early in my career, it had very little to do with leadership. It had a lot to do with, I think I was on a journey trying to figure out what am I good at? And I think that what that job kind of showed me was that there were two things that mattered to me. One was what was the purpose of my job? And I liked the mission of helping people and uh, particularly kids, which is why I started working at the children's hospital. And then the second piece was as a young person, I was just thinking, how can I possibly add value? What is it that I'm possibly good at? And um, having worked in, in the hospital, I started realizing that I'm pretty good with, um, with uh, uh, technology. I'm pretty good with numbers. I'm pretty good with moving people. And that maybe there's a part of this that I could get better at. And so really for me, it started as a journey for, for something that I could be good at and something that I could believe in. And uh, I didn't even think about leadership when it first started, but it, it was a lot about just being there. And, you know, a lot of my first job was uh, no different than when you take your kid into a, a pediatric clinic. I was that guy that ran that office and uh, checked in the kid and made sure the kids got weighed and back to a room and working with the doctors and stuff. And I just found the work really meaningful. And uh, uh, that first clinic we worked for worked with some of the poorest kids in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, hmm. we knew if it weren't us seeing those kids, that um, we, they wouldn't have good options. And so it, it, just, it just seemed to fit. Yeah, was there a, a turning point or particular project in one of your previous uh, roles prior to coming to UIHC where you call that sort of a, you know, a, a big break or a, a moment for you that you felt like kind of helped catapult you throughout the rest of your career? Yeah, I've, I've been lucky for, for having lots of different little catapult moments, but I would say Probably one of the biggest moments for me was um, for a long time, I, uh, I, I grew up in Nashville. I had my first job in Nashville. So I left Nashville just because at that time I thought the town was too small and it wasn't cool enough. Little <laughs> did I know that I just needed to wait 20 years. Yeah, um, come on now. Nashville, that's, the, that's as good as it gets, right? That's... Yeah, seriously. <laughs> but um, uh, I was a consultant and I was uh, running around the country working with hospital systems and the break was when one of my clients said, hey, you, you know, you're always coming up with these great recommendations on how to do this or how to do that. Um, after I gave my final presentation to the board, they said, why don't you come in and run it? You know, you gave us a five-year plan. Why don't you make it a reality? And that, the fact that they believed in me brought me into a leadership position to, to execute the plan that I had developed was really compelling. And that's kind of when I moved back from the consulting side working for hospitals. And I think that was a, a real eye-changing moment because uh, I had to believe in something, I, but more importantly, I had to stand for something. I had to lead a team and I had to deliver. And I think that was really probably the pivotal moment. As you look, I mean, you have universities, you've got large hospital systems. These are, you know, from the outside looking in, one would assume these are kind of slow moving organisms, right? If you, if you think ahead 10 years down in your career and you know, you're, you're an executive, what's the sort of change that you want to bring forth either internally, or maybe it's, you know, help be a part of some larger change within the entire healthcare industry? What, what, what is that? What, what, 
what are you kind of hoping can be a, you know, the long arc of the success of your career? What are some, some of the bigger goals for you in terms of uh, impacting positively both UIHC and the industry in general? Yeah. Um, I think probably in the big arc of things, um, healthcare is just a, a pretty hosed up um, system yeah. and uh, you know, there's just nothing like it. I mean, you know, buying a car is straightforward car. You're required to have car insurance, but when you get in a car wreck, it's, fairly straightforward what's going to happen. Um, you know, there is this healthcare system that's just difficult to navigate and yeah. it's difficult to understand. And it's, um, I think that in the large arc of these things, if I could be part of a team uh, here in Iowa, that, that 10 years from now, we have a more rational healthcare system. Hmm. You know, you get to see who you want to see to get care. You have the ability to get that care wherever you want it. You're able to compare how well you're getting taken care of to how other people are getting taken care of, uh, that you have a greater feeling that you're in control of your own health and that you can, you can get healthcare services on your own terms, not someone else's terms, and sure. that ultimately the majority of people are able to afford it, um, that it's not a question of some people just can't afford the healthcare that they need. I think these are all imminently solvable problems and solvable problems within a decade. Um, yeah. not, a, not a generational issue. And so hopefully uh, along the way, I can make a contribution. Yeah, something technology, with, I know that's part of your background too, that hopefully can assist and enable helping folks navigate through the system a little bit better as well. How about off, you know, outside of work, outside of, uh, you know, your profession, what have you kind of developed as, as habits, things that have kind of helped, helped you be successful along the way, uh, you know, routines within your the regular course of your day? What what are some of those things that, that are must for you throughout the course of a week or a day? I think probably the most uh, important thing that I do is, and, and this hasn't changed with the pandemic since I work in healthcare, is that I go into work, work is in person. And then when I uh, leave work, work does not leave with me. Um, that's something that uh, probably over the course of a decade, um, I really do. I have a very, very hard separation between work and my personal life. So uh, I go home and I don't do email and I don't do work. Uh, nights, weekends, I'm off. That's awesome. Um, so I, I'll put in, I'll, I'll get to work by seven, between seven and eight in the morning, I'll be home uh, for dinner at six, 6.30. But other than that, I really think having that hard separation and having a personal life that's not really connected to work, um, family, friends. Yeah live music, traveling, sports, you know, those other things, reading, um, you know, those things that make life meaningful, mm -hmm. um, those relationships that make life meaningful, I think are super important um, to, to the balance uh, because work takes a lot out of you. Yeah. And um, I think that's been something that's been really critical. So what, uh, what books on the nightstand, what's on the Netflix queue these days that at, at your house? What are you, uh, what are you using to kind of unplug after a long day at work? You know, it's funny. I, I used to be very tech savvy, but it's, uh, I, when it comes to, uh, I don't really watch Netflix. So, you know, it's kind of interesting. And the only thing I watch is sports. Okay. I, uh, Hoops or football or all of it or all of it. Uh, so, I mean, it, although I will say that I have to admit at this stage in pandemic recovery, I'm a little bit more obsessed with baseball than I thought I would be. I'm a little bit more interested in really huh. uh, in the season. Um, but where's but, your loyalty lie there? I, we, we all know you're obviously, you know, Hawkeye true and true now, but like in terms of baseball, is there some Texas allegiance or is it more back down into Nashville, Tennessee and somewhere in that area? Or who, who are your teams? 
I'm, I'm messed up. So uh, uh, in general, I had a California allegiance. When I grew up in Nashville, there were no teams. So I was a, I was a Niner fan because why not with Joe Montana? <laughs> yeah. and, uh, uh, but I started out as a Dodger fan in baseball uh, uh, of the 81 series where the Dodgers won beating the Yankees. But when I moved to the Bay Area and I lived there for a long time, and it's impossible to live in the Bay Area and be a Dodger fan. So uh, I abandoned the Dodgers for the A's okay. because if you're a Dodger fan, you can't be a giant fan. So I was an A's fan and that was during the Moneyball era and uh, and the Balco era. So it was an interesting time to be an <laughs> yeah, A's yeah. fan. Um, but uh, no, I, I, I'm still an A's fan to this day. That's great. What has it been about, before we jump into some of our kind of wrap-up questions here, what has it been about Iowa that's been the, the most pleasant surprise? And, and what is it that you miss, miss the most about living in some other areas? What, I mean, what, what could Iowa or, or Iowa City, Cedar Rapids area do better? What, what do you like the most and what, what can we get better at here? Um, I think that uh, what I love about this area is that there really is a commitment to excellence. You know, it's still a smaller community. Um, yeah, the population's not huge and those kinds of things. But nonetheless, um, I really think that the you get the tight-knit community of people that are friendly, that are uh, engaged um, in what goes on here, but they really are looking for the best. And so it's yeah. not settling. Uh, that's what I like about this place is that people don't settle, you know, and, uh, and really work hard and fight to, to make it as great as it can be. Um, what I miss is honestly economic development. I mean, it is, it is uh, coming from Dallas. Everybody's moving into town. All sorts yeah. of new businesses are coming to town. They're growing. It's a hotbed of new ideas, new businesses, innovation. And I think that this community could use more of that. And, uh, you know, I think that we, uh, as UIHC, could do a better job of yeah, uh, uh, it, helping to entice more businesses and more growth and more development here. Um, I think that as a community, um, I don't think we rally as hard for development as we should. And uh, it's, a, it's a vitality that I miss. And the way you feel that is that, you know, maybe the, the, uh, the cultural scene is awesome for a small town, but I still miss what I had before. And so I think that there is still yeah. uh, a trajectory here. I'd say a lot of potential um, given sure. kind of the, the fundamentals of the community, but that's probably what I miss the most. Yeah, that's great. Great insight. So we'd like to wrap up all these interviews, just some quick rapid fire questions. If you were to look back at the, over the course of your career, how much of your success would you contribute to, to luck uh, as opposed to hard work? I'd say 50% luck. If given the chance, what profession other than your own would you most like to attempt? To attempt? Oh yeah. Uh, I'd like to be the lead singer of the Counting Crows. <laughs> I like it. You've done much music or is that just a purely on a whim, something entirely different? <laughs> oh yeah, that's purely, uh, I can barely sing along. So. I like it. Uh, you have a business leader, either someone within your industry or outside of it that you've always looked up to or, or learned a lot from? Uh, Steve Jobs. Podcast or TV show? Anything notable now other than sports that you've caught recently? Um, I would say that... Um, I saw this uh, thing on Netflix, the Queen's Gambit. I don't know if that counts. It's yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. That's, that's great. Uh, how about a motivational quote? Anything jump out that you use with your team or something that's been important to you throughout your career? Um, I think it's a bit 
tired, but it's something that, you know, uh, has always meant something to me is, is from, from John F. Kennedy on, ask not what you can do, uh, what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. I think there's this sense, a deep sense of service uh, that is really important to me, especially when you work in healthcare. 30 extra minutes in a day, what would you do with it? I'd work out. <laughs> Good. What's your workout routine now these days? Are you, I, uh, are you able to squeeze that into your routine or morning, afternoon, evening? Uh, I, I, I didn't do this on purpose. I actually worked out very well through 2020. Uh, usually I'm an early morning uh, workout person, but I apparently had a new year's resolution this year to not work out. So <laughs> I have, uh, missed working out about as consistently as you possibly could this year. Okay. Running, lifting, biking. What's, what's your, oh, uh, I would say, uh, moving to Iowa, switch to biking from running and, uh, uh, a little bit of lifting, but not much. Uh, how about a book? You mentioned you do a lot of reading. Is there something that's been really influential for you and throughout your career? Uh, I really like the book uh, From Good to Great. Um, I think that uh, has been always, uh, I've been lucky to work for pretty good organizations. And it's, it's always been for me, the challenge has been, how do you take a pretty good organization and take it to the next level? That's awesome. And then just in one sentence, how would you define success? Success is getting the most from your team um, and making sure that they get consistent results. Yeah, that's great. Especially someone like you that with the responsibility of, of your sort of leadership role. So that, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Suresh, for taking the time. And thank you for all that, that you've done and your organization has done here throughout the course of the last year plus and look forward to you, you leading us uh, here for, for many years to come. So thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks, Nate. Really appreciate it. Yep. This episode was produced by Joe Coffee of Coffee Grande Studios. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at CB Journal.